Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers, and from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. All right, welcome to another episode of Cannabis Karaoke. This is the place, man, where we've really started to identify some of these early pioneers, some of the people that are um, going and slugging it out in the space. Everybody thinks cannabis is super glamorous. It is at some point, but at the other end of the spectrum, we get our ass kicked every day. So I'm really stoked to uh, be bringing Dino H. Carter onto the show. He's the founder and owner of D Branding, and it's based out of Hollywood, California. And it's really a brand and marketing consultancy business that is helping these brands uh, be able to facilitate their their proper forward-facing uh, message to the consumers, which, to be perfectly honest with you, is a huge, huge thing in traditional business, but has been slow go in the cannabis space. So today, everybody, let's welcome Dino H. Carter, and let's hear a little bit about how he tackles this issue within the cannabis space. Welcome to the show, man. Stoked to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, talk to talk to the listeners a little bit, you know, Let's get a little quick overview of, of what your company does for brands, um, and then we'll start getting into like some of the challenges you've seen and or some of the epiphanies that you're kind of helping come to light with working with some of these brands. Sure thing, sure thing. So I actually been in marketing for more than 20 years. I lived and worked in Israel, England, and the U.S., um, in so many different facets of uh, marketing, branding, advertising. Um, I did PR for Levi's, merchandising and licensing for uh, MTV Europe. Um, I worked on TV with Alfa Romeo, the Italian car maker. And actually, I worked with OCB, the French luxury rolling paper, I launched them in Israel back in the early 2000s when cannabis wasn't legal at all. And uh, that was my first touch with, uh, you know, working with cannabis businesses. And I've learned a lot because uh, OCB is a very specific company and brand, and they are amazing. Um, and after that, you know, with all the internet and everything, of course, uh, starting going to, uh, internet use, social media, uh, mobile and all that. So I found out after so many years that most businesses fail for the same reasons. And most, and those who succeed, which are not a lot, follow the same recipe, let's call it. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> those are some pretty heavy names, Levi's, uh, Alfa yeah. Romeo, MTV Europe. I mean, those are all, you know, traditional businesses that understand that marketing is not an ROI, but that marketing is actually a line item expense that you have to basically you, if you're not applying budget to uh your marketing department uh, i hear this all the time in the space where we don't have any money to market 
and okay. and it's and and you have to ask yourself you're like well okay how are you telling your story because the bad part is and i know you're gonna you probably will sh- you're shaking your head already these people think because they are selling cannabis and it's selling out that they actually have a brand and they, there needs to be a wireframe around that and tell us a little bit about like when you're trying to because you also cannot work with people that don't have that ability or desire to create a marketing or a forward facing messaging platform because you're just going to be banging your head against the wall. So do you have like a series of questions? Like how do you qualify your accounts? Do you go after specific people? Are people coming to you? Tell us a little bit about how that process works. What a great question. And you pretty much nailed it. I think I'm the only one who actually, um, Fire, <laughs> I I fire clients that I don't want to work with. I just tell them, no, you know what, dude, we shouldn't uh, continue working together. How does and that go over? <laughs> I don't really care. I, I love tell it. Them, I love if, it. <laughs> if, if you're not committed enough, if you're not uh, at least as committed as I am for your business success, I don't want to work with you. And, you know, we can stay friends or whatever, uh, but bye-bye, no more business. And one of them, I have a client that I, I've done that. He's in the East Coast, and he is, I mean, the amount of knowledge that he has is amazing. And after a few times, I was like, dude, what, what the hell? I don't need to run to chase you. And since then, since I told him we're not going to work anymore, uh, he's been sending me clients all the time. Um, and, and mainly because I, I, you know, a lot of branding consultants and marketing consultants are not really consultants. They just uh, want to, uh, you know, they want to produce your logo or your website or design work, something like that. And as much as I do that, I try to actually focus on real consulting and problem solving. Um, so if I see that, if I talk to someone, a prospect, and I see that they're one of those that think they know everything and they're not open to change, um, I just don't continue with them. So it looks like, you know, first of all, if you guys want to check out the website while we're, you know, having this conversation, it's dbranding.la, um, pretty straightforward email. I'm sorry, website. Um, when I'm, you know, when I was going through and, and kind of checking out the different things that you do, I think it's really important for people, you know, especially consumers or most listeners, I would say, don't understand or they do, but they don't understand how it comes to play, which is the connection between the actual physical product, their digital properties, their trade show appearances, like a syntax or a lexicon of what branding and marketing really entails and how to have success off that. So how does, you know, sometimes I'm imagining you're going to get a customer that comes to you and says, look, we've already got our branding done. And then here's our social media. And then here's our website. And then here's what we do in trade shows. And it, none of it really carries forward the same um, kind of look and yeah. feel like, how do you, what is your process to go ahead and, and, you know, help people understand that, uh, consistency of brand is, is 
probably the most paramount thing when you're trying to to exist in any space, let alone cannabis. Yeah, and 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 the most important thing is to understand that the world of commerce, regardless of the industry, has changed dramatically over the last two to five years, dramatically. And we're talking about the biggest companies in the market or the moms and pops. Everybody needs to understand that it's a huge change in perspective. And at the moment, just a small group of people um, understood it and know how to play the new game. It's a totally new game. And one of, just like you said, having a unified front, let's say, and the right messaging focused on the right customer base, that's the most important thing. So what I usually do with clients is go backwards a few steps. The first thing I do with my clients, and some I, uh, some clients I just do that um, because you know they're they're small companies and they don't have huge budget or enough for retainer. And this is something that every client that I had run this were like, wow. So that's a, a, a brand discovery and clarity session. It can take two hours, can take more, but it's like going to the shrink for your brand and business. Yeah, I noticed on your website you have you know a lot of free resources for people. You know, because look, I think in you 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 probably have to handle this head on quite a bit. It's you know, there because we live in such a different age, right? And because there's so much available, you know, even myself, like when we hire a PR person or we were selecting our social media people or, you know, you nobody, I think the, the biggest issue people have to overcome is like, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to check the, you know, you're going to choose the wrong person yeah. to do what you yeah. want to do. Um, how do you build? Because really, it's about building confidence. Because once you've built confidence with a customer, uh, and you've gone through, and you know, it's like lawyers, right? You never want to pay the retainer to the lawyer. You said, "Look, I only need a couple things," right? And the lawyer's <laughs> like, "Yeah, well, we're going to talk for four or five hours over this course of this deal. That's going to cost you fifteen thousand bucks. Just give me the fifteen thousand bucks, and we can talk about it." But it's always this chicken before the egg. How do you get somebody to go over the line? Like how you're providing free resources, you're willing to do the shrink analysis on someone's brand and help them understand, you know, where they're succeeding, where they're failing, or, or maybe like, I'm sure you've run across people that you feel like they're doing everything the way they should be doing. Um, and you said something pretty important. I'm going to circle back to it, but really what I want to understand is like, how do you get people from just downloading the free stuff and getting free advice to actually becoming a paying customer? Cause that's, that's when you start hitting the, the rubber starts hitting the road and you're able to actually facilitate your resources for these people. Most people who download the free stuff stay with that and they don't, you know, nothing happens with them. Um, because it's just like, uh, or my sister's son knows how to do Photoshop. He will make my logo. Have you seen any company, big, huge, successful company, that that's the case with them? 
Not, no. No. Exactly. But people think they know the best. And it's funny. Yesterday, I had a first um, session with a client, a new client. And after like an hour and a half, she was like, I can't believe it. I spent so much money over the last year trying to save money instead of just, I, I, I should have done everything that we're talking right now, like a year ago. Yeah, I think, I think you, you know, you're kind of alluding to the fact that, you know, people have great ideas. Um, people tend to have the moxie to get out there and, and launch the business but then that's where pretty much everything starts to go haywire. And yeah. it's because people are insecure or unable to make a decision or when people don't, I've always tell my, you know, when I'm working with people, there's two reasons why people won't get back to you. Either they don't understand what you're trying to get across or they don't want to do it. So it's never like a potential. Yes. It's always like, you got to get past those two things and help people understand and almost guide them along the way. It, it's, it's, you have to, you have to, and, and you don't have a lot of time to do that. Well, and people sometimes trip over, you know, they're tripping over dollars to pick up pennies. And yeah. you're just, it's like you have to, there's something to be said for people that sit down, make a full business plan, understand they're going to spend money, understand they're going to lose money. And, and that's just the reality of business. Um, we've gotten to a point where we've seen so many instantaneous millionaires in so many different categories that it's just, I always try to, I explain to people it's 99% luck for most of them. They're right place, right time, right money, right niche, whatever. And 1% knowledge. I've seen people that have been extremely intelligent about their plan and still fail. And I think that goes back to, you said something, uh, what I think is really poignant. And it's like really something that I, as I work with consumers and brands and that I say to them, do you understand your customer base? Who is your customer base? Oh, Exactly. Everybody. I want everybody to oh, buy my product. It's yeah. like, well, okay, that's that's where you're going to fail, number one. Number two, you have to identify, you know, part of your marketing and branding helps you identify the niche customer that you're trying to attack. And so that would, to me, be like the number one epiphany that your company brings to some of these brands, which is like the identification of who their customer base is. Give us a little outline about how you – because it's gender, age, geo, all that located, right? And then it turns into colors and and the call to action and everything so there, else. There, yeah, there there are a few a few things, and it's funny that you mentioned the uh, the everyone thing. So and and you asked me how do I kind of vetting customers. The first question I ask people is, who's your customer? And if I hear everybody, I said, okay, but really, who are you focusing? Who are you targeting? Yeah, everybody can roll a joint. Everybody can use this vape. But who is your customer? What do you mean, everybody? Usually, I don't work with these people. Because they just are confused. Because they don't want to listen because they think they know everything. And usually what happened with these people, and I'm talking just because of I have experience and I've worked with enough of those people trying to get them understanding that they need to focus on someone specific and they need 
to see who is the right customer to want to be like their brand if their brand was a person or they would like to be their friend. So you need to work on two personas, your brand as a person, and then define the person who is your customer and, and see that everything is aligned. Sometimes, and, and you know, it takes time and sometimes you need to tweak a little bit and sometimes brands, just like people, they evolve, they change, they grow up, and then you need to change a little bit your customers or you need to change your messaging a little bit. But when you define your customer, of course, the age, the gender, and the values, what do they like? What do they stand for? Where do they get their information from, uh, their news? What kind of music they listen to? What kind of car do they drive? Maybe they don't drive a car. Do they have kids? They don't have kids. Do they have a lot of money or not? Are they um, result-oriented or process-oriented? Uh, if she's a woman in her 40s, uh, is she a career woman that doesn't see her kids or she has her kids all the time and she needs a little bit of break because those women at the same age with the same amount of kids are two completely different customer bases. No, so I... if, you're, if you're selling vape to that, that it's about and your brand and messaging is about uh, taking a minute off for yourself, that's for a specific customer base than a vape company that her mess that the messaging and the brand is about skaters without naming names. <laughs> and again, that goes back to people just having a great idea and getting excited about that great idea and, and running out there and just throwing it out there. When, when, a when you finally get that brand or that company over the line, they go, okay, we're going to engage. We're going to do this. We have faith in you, Dino. Like, how do we, you know, do, uh, you know, how do we do this to the next level? Um, how long does like, do you tell them the transaction needs to, you know, how long do you got to be working together to see some things happening? You know? Wow. That's, uh, that's the $64 million question. Um, well, patience, is super important when, when it comes to business, growth, and uh, marketing. Um, what usually happens is that I'm with them hand-in-hand hand for a very long time. I have customers that I've worked with uh, for like four years on every business that they do, and sometimes I'm with them on one business for a year or two, and sometimes it's just uh, a month or two. And it really depends on the team and uh, on the goals. And because I'm really into, so my thing is to actually see results. I love when I see amazing results that I've helped creating. 
when uh, a customer calls me and said, dude, we have the highest open rate on our newsletters ever, and we've been in business for eight years, and I've worked on that with the team for four hours, that's, I mean, I love, that's why I, I'm in this business, because I know that I can make the change sometimes, as in this one, uh, it's four hours, and immediately they, they, they see change, they see direct sales immediately, and sometimes it's much longer, much longer term. Um, I have, and, and you know, I'm not working only with cannabis uh, businesses, but some of the cannabis businesses that I work with, uh, it, they know that it will take a lot of time to build a brand. It's, it's funny that you say that um, just today, uh, there was a, a big research by Oracle and they found out that no matter what the age is, recently, people don't believe, 83% of people, regardless of the age, don't believe um, product reviews from influencers, from uh, banners, ads, and Alexa. Only from their friends, which was, you know, the, the, the case in the, in the old days. People lost their trust in advertising. And people get smarter and smarter. They know that influencers get paid. So they just lose their trust more and more. And if you want to sell and create a fan base uh, and returning customers, which should be your goal um, for longevity, you have to create trust. And to create trust, it takes time. Think, uh, think about your friends. You have friends that you trust more than others, and there's a reason why you trust them more. A, because they share the same values. And B, you have, you know, you've, you've, you've had a long run with them. And that's the same thing goes with, uh, with brands, marketing, and, and, and success. The and fact that you will have one page ad in a magazine because they had a great deal or that one page ad doesn't, you know, it doesn't help you at all. Actually, just, just spend money that you shouldn't. That's, but that's such, such a good point. You know, it's like when we, when I was working with the NBA, you know, I, I'd sit down with people and, and if you led with like, okay, the deal I'm going to pitch you is $200,000. It's like immediately you're going to get pushback. But I always like to take the approach of like, A, I reverse engineer, what's our goal? And B, like, don't worry about the money part of it. Let's focus on what you want to get accomplished. And then if the money does, or if what you want to accomplish doesn't match your budget, then we have to figure out how to get there. But that basic principle of what you're t saying, and, and I'm hearing you say, like, look, if you're going to enter into a deal to do something like this, you're probably going to spend four to six months before you really see any sort of yeah. needle moving, um, unless you can adapt and um, execute faster right because it's usually people like yourself are having to argue with the company that's hired you 
to get them to do the thing that you see you're intuitively seeing the direction they want to go in. Am I right on that? So true. And adaptation is so important and fast adaptation. I, I don't have patience for it for, you know, I'm the most impatient person I've seen except of my, from my mom. <laughs> and I like to bring results fast. And I do that, which is, you know, I, I actually produce real fast results, but those results, uh, might be something that's not sales or orders or income. Those results might be all of a sudden there's traction. All of a sudden your employees are happy to come to work all of a sudden after four years because we did something. We changed something inside and outside, internal and external, we're starting to build a brand. We're starting to build something that has substance. Unilever, the biggest conglomerate of consumer goods in the world, just announced that they are going to stop all their products that don't have any substance, any authenticity, anything they stand for, you know, like just, they're just products. They're not going to do that anymore because people don't care about that anymore. Campbell's Soup is, and, and, you know, that's a brand that everybody knows. It's Super America. It's been here for years. Do you know how much millions, how many millions they lose every year in the last few years? Nobody buys that because nobody cares about this because Campbell's Soup doesn't care about anything. No, it's, it's, it's one of those things where the next, that kind of leads me to my next question, which is brands like Campbell's Soup, brands like Unilever, brands like Levi and Coca-Cola, they spend a lot of time analyzing their customer, their messaging, their what do they want their end result to be? And then they apply the budget to that. And so it's mm-hmm. real easy for people to say, well, I want to be like Levi's. You go, well, you realize they spent, you know, X millions of dollars just to do this. And so once you get, again, now you've got somebody working with you, you've spent four to six months. What kind of, what are the results that you see your, your partners or your customers getting out of this? And how do you relay that information to them? Are you doing organic press release hits? Are you doing, viral shares on their social media like what it's that negative nasty word in marketing which is the roi but how are you trying to return on ad spend roas even like how are what are your mechanisms to deliver results back to uh to your customer or your partner so i I, i'm a huge believer in organic and unpaid activities and content i'm a huge believer in content now I had my own businesses. I went under a few times. So I know what it is. I know what it takes and I know how precious every dollar is. So I try to get as much as I can for my customers through building the right strategy and then manifest and execute it. Because when everything is super tight and right, the ROI on that is amazing. And I use a lot of social media and I'm not talking about ads. Um, 
I use newsletters, automated emails, and I use very specific tactics. Um, for instance, automated emails. Let's talk about e-commerce. People that sell uh, CBD or B2B uh, stuff in the cannabis industry, and they sell it on a website. So everybody knows about the abandoned cart email. Someone was on your website, they um, click add to cart, abandoned and, and, and went to, I don't know, to watch porn. Now you need to get them back and you do it with an automated emails and all of us got these emails. Hey, you forgot something in your cart. Hey, forgot something? So what I do with my customers is work really hard on all of those emails that you get from the website. And it's always super aligned with the customer. If they're stoners, they need to get a specific email with specific copy, copy that, you know, they can understand that a stoner is talking to them or that they forgot because they just took another hit from the bong or something. And it happens. So why don't you come back to the website? If they're not, if they're CEOs, because it's B2B, they need something completely different. But you, and, and that's the great thing about having internet and mobile today. It's a one-on-one -on -one, um, marketing ride. You can get and talk to each and every one of those people. You can get them on, on, on chat. You can send them uh, an abundant text. The, the emails, the re retrieval of abandoned cards and browse abandonment that I get for my customers is sometimes 57%, 47%. Those are huge numbers. Usually you don't get those numbers um, from abundant emails. But when you're super targeted on what, what will make them click and, and, and actually finish their order, they will do that. Yeah, and, and I, it, I imagine you're seeing a fair amount of that, you know, on mobile as well. Like people are, I mean, I'm buying stuff off my phone, yeah. you know? Um, and so that's a whole nother vertical of people. You know, you, you have social, you know, cannabis, first of all, traditional business, you have a little more sets of tool resources that you can lean into. Cannabis is like, it's really Instagram, your own website, your trade show presence. And how does your syntax of brand cross across all of those? And that, yeah, means if there was no social media, I don't think the industry will grow that fast. Which is scary because people get kicked off all the time and, you know, you got to manage getting people's brands back up after they've kind of lost, you know, and, and that yeah. usually happens from a competitor or a hater saying like reporting that account a number of times to where they find a way to violate the, the use. How do you? Uh, not, not only, not only. You need to be very smart in that. So a few things uh, about, about that. First of all, when you wake up one morning and it happened to me a few weeks ago with a client on a Sunday morning and you see that you can't log into your Instagram, 
don't say immediately, oh, God, that's it, I'm fucked, we need a new Instagram. No, you need to send the right letter to Instagram. So you help with some of that, too. You do a little bit of damage control on the back end. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you have to contact them and try to save it. But don't use hashtags cannabis, hashtags 420 all the time. Right. Don't just um, repost. Don't use the same hashtags. Don't use some like machine and automated responses and automated likes don't um don't use the same things all the time there are so many people that are just reposting instagram doesn't like that because they say if you're reposting you're not really a person person real people don't just repost true but that's that's something to say that's some people's strategy on social though and then they get fucked. Yeah, absolutely. So damage control, big deal in the cannabis space. Um, understanding your syntax, your lexicon, if you will, which are those are the colors, the font, ty- the font types, the imaging. Talk to me a little bit about how you, and we see this a lot in the space when we're engaging with brand partners. Talk to the requirement or the necessity around video. Like how important is video these days for a brand? the most important thing in the world. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And yeah. I, I told you, content is amazing. Content is king. And good content is even better. And when you do it, you know, for free, let's say, okay? And if you just use it on your uh, organic posts, social media, uh, newsletters, YouTube channel, the ROI on it is amazing. The amount of traffic that can come to your website and to your shop, even if it's a brick and mortar, if it's, if it's a dispensary that, ca- that can come from YouTube, wow, it's amazing. Now, it's not easy, and you need to find uh, the right content because if you will just do another video like all the others, it won't work. If you will continue talking about yourself and your product all the time and be focused only on yourself, it won't work. But if you will be focused on the customers, it will work. If you will, 70% of people go to YouTube to ask a question. How do what is, when, all that. So you have to answer questions. And if you answer those pain points, think what your customers are interested in. What would they ask YouTube and make a video on that and another video and be genuine and, and post it, use this video and post it on IGTV and your LinkedIn and on your newsletter video is amazing it works amazing you can see on uh, instagram stories instagram stories are now the biggest engagement the biggest views everything it's more it's better than anything no for sure i mean i i'm often when when we're posting it's like we know a story will have more traction 
but then it goes away. So then you do the story and then you take pieces from the story and you put them in your normal posts. And then Mm -hmm. you try to like keep that connectivity going. I mean, engagement, social engagement is really built around. Can you capture the person's attention span in that first 10 seconds they see you? Right. Like, I mean, so how do you, what are your goals when you're looking at, you know, I'm sure you've got customers that come and they're like, we've got, you know, I don't know, 10,000 followers on Instagram, but then you look at their engagement on their posts and it's, you know, they're getting less than 1% engagement. Where do you try to set the bar for some of these brands? Because you did say how important social media was um, just a few seconds ago. And, and in doing so, I think sometimes people take the approach of like, let's just vomit as much as we can out there. And then you have the people that are really methodical, like, a, I think number one question is, is what kind of uh, engagement do you like to see brands having or what is your target? And then two, maybe share with a couple, you know, share with the listeners a couple examples that are working and that people are doing it right. Because a lot of what we're attempting to do these days, Dino, is has been done. And it's just about applying it to what you're trying to accomplish and what your visions and end goal are. Yeah. And, and the whole engagement thing and likes and all those, well, not comments, but likes, all those vanity matrixes, um, Instagram is letting go of that. And probably a lot of the listeners saw a huge decline in likes and views lately. And that's because Instagram is just killing everything that's a robot. And everything that's not authentic and not real on Instagram. And, and it's about, I think Bloomberg did a research and more than 11% of engagement on Instagram is not real. And 11% is a lot. Yeah. How do you, how do you explain so, that to the, to the customer that you're working with that, that you're getting, you know, we've been long since in the environment of buy a TV ad, buy a radio ad, buy a print ad, and you're going to get, you know, we have 30,000, 40,000, 600,000 rotation, people see it. And we're kind of going the opposite direction that you want actually less is more nowadays. You want, like, if you're, you know, everybody has been judging engagement or circulation based on an old school philosophy. Let's get your brand in front of as many eyeballs as possible. And in reality, the new market is it's about the right eyeballs. Yep. And how about do you focus? How do you tell? How do you bring that messaging to a consumer who's used to getting high engagement on stuff, but low return to getting a low engagement but a higher return? Tell me. Tell us a little bit about how that process works and and like what the how patient the brands have to be because at first it's got to look a little bit like you're not doing your job. The best thing is to actually show them, and this is like really across the board. The, the, their, the first mistake is the quality. They can be big brands and the quality of the photos is a disaster. Or the quality of the caption is just uninspiring. So you have to be inspiring and amazing and high quality. Everything needs to look good. It needs to have some kind of uh, system. And then you show them, for instance, one post that got tons of engagement 
But you see that it's one post and they didn't double down on what works. Right. So if you see that this kind of posts work, why don't you do it again? So you just do a test with them and do the same thing. And all of a sudden, whoa, it works. Do you know how many customers and clients have, uh, like, let's say, 50 posts out of that get like 37 likes and one or two comments. And then two video posts that get 1,500 likes, 500 likes, 20 comments, and they don't double down on those video posts. If you see that the video works, make more of those, post more of those, then start reading what they're commenting about, understand them. You don't need to, you know, like in the TV and radio age, when you needed to think and figure out what maybe they think or why might them do something. And you had to pay a lot of money to big ad agencies to do an actual research with people. You can just read what they say. You can ask them. Use Google survey. It's free. Create a survey and send all of them. Ask them, why do you buy our product and not the, uh, the competitors? What do you think about this product? If we will do this product in red, would you like it? Well, so you, you will get all this information and then you can create it. So double down uh, on what works on your social media. The second thing is to be focused. Don't try to get everyone. Get the, and talk to the a very specific and focused customer base. The third thing is not to talk about yourself. I mean, forget about yourself. Think about them. It's not about you. It's not about your product. It's about your customers. And the four things is what would make them click? What would make them write something? And that's, so reverse engineer it. See, okay, what would they click on? What would make them click on the product that I linked on the post and then write the post? I think that's such an important factor. And I think, you know, there's another thing that's, and your website's really good. You know, there's a lot of tips and and just advice that people can go from. And in fact, I just ran across when I was looking at it the other day, you have a, a blog up there around B2C business management. And a lot of companies will be a B2B and they forget about that, that the B could still be the C and that you mm -hmm. still need to focus on treating the B like a C. Cause if you don't, you're not going to have the B because they were really a C and you just lost the C. Right. Yeah. And, and the B is a business for people that don't know that. And the C is a consumer. So most people think, you know, a business is a B2B. That's a service between two different businesses. It's fairly non-emotional. It's fairly whatever. Nowadays, we're seeing that B2B transaction be more of a B2C transaction, and it has to be on brand, and it has to still treat every single interaction that you have outside of your internal company 
as a C, which means you need to have a better product than a better product image, but you also need to have a better product support factor because if you don't, people are quick to move to something else. How does that, how do you look at somebody that's not been treating their customer base as a B2C um, and how does that get turned around? Um, I can, I can give you two, uh, two examples. First thing, shout out to Green Bros. They are totally B2B. Okay. They sell industry, uh, products. So they don't sell to the end user at home, some guy that sits at, at home and they changed their practice to to be more personalized because they know that they're not selling it's not a machine that sell itself to some building it's some guy that sells to other guy so there's a human at the end of the road that gets uh this and makes decisions and it's based on feelings and emotions and maybe had a crappy day and maybe you know it's not a building that you sell to it's it's a human at the end of the of the tunnel and green bros are just doing an amazing job with their marketing and branding and that's once they started to change and brought their um the people behind the brand to the forefront and be very focused on um, customer service. Um, I can give you another great example. Um, a customer of mine, uh, Spectrum King LED, and that's B2B and B2C. One of the things that uh, as the industry grew and there were the, the competition got crazier and crazier and harder and harder because there were more um, grow light manufacturers. I had to find a way to connect not about the product. I had to find a way to show that we are different, that Spectrum King LEDs are not just a product. And I did a survey with customers that bought and we asked what they buy and why they bought it and why they decided uh, to use Spectrum King and not the competition. And about 87% said that it's the customer base, uh, the customer service and all the people on social media who can swear by the products. So, we started changing the whole, the whole thing. And we are telling the story of the brand. The brand has an amazing story. The, the founder was an actual grower that had a problem that he wanted to solve and get more efficient grow lights in his garage while paying less money. So nobody knew about this. And I decided to take this story and put it in the front. So when you buy a Spectrum King um, product online on their website, the email that you get is not, thank you for your purchase. It's 
a story. It's the story of the founder with his name and everything. He wrote it about how he started, why why he's doing that, you know? Why Spectrum King exists? Why? why? And you see people replying to this email. Have you ever replied to a thank you for your purchase email? No. People are replying. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much, guys. You're the best. He didn't even buy the, the product yet, but he replied, <laughs> thank you, you're the best, because he understands that they're human and people that actually care behind that. I think that's the biggest hook um, that I feel people have. You know, we went through a period of time where that didn't matter. But now it's funny. Back then, there was people had more time to make decisions. They were bombarded with less options. But there was less concern about now people want to be loyal to a brand. Now people want to have a connection, even if it's an inanimate object. And shout out to Green Bros and Colin and Marco for deciding to tell the story, to show yeah. and make an inanimate object come to life and have a personality because that is what's going to make people win because we all get bombarded on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or wherever with the, you know, buy the charcoal toothpaste or buy these re replica earbuds. Don't spend $180 on the Apple ones by this. So you have people that are buying things on impulse and on price, but as they get fried, they start the price and impulse starts to go away and they want to have even though they don't realize it, and this is the evolution of the consumer from my point of view, is that even if they don't realize it, they want to have some sort of an emotional connection to that company and they want to be proud about it and they want to be able to tell other people about it. And that's when you win. And so taking, this is where it got people, if you're listening right now, and, and marketing is a hard thing to get your head around. Um, we just gave you 50 minutes of free advice on how to structure your marketing plan. You don't even need... Um, Dino, if you follow the rules, but guess what? You're never going to make the cookies as good as Dino is going to help you make those cookies. So you need to make that investment into a, a, a professional that can actually cut your time to market. Don't trip over pennies. Don't trip over dollars picking up pennies. Be focused on what you're trying to do. Invest in your brand and make sure that you give that entity that technically uh, digital human being, if you will, an opportunity to have success. Um, otherwise, you're really just placating a hobby or a desire that you may have success over, but you're never going to truly recognize your full potential. Yeah, that's exactly why I, uh, you know, I set up this uh, brand discovery uh, session uh, that you mentioned on on my website because sometimes just invest in this thing and help me help you create the right persona will save you so much time and money and you know just do this and then go to your way and continue doing that when you have this fundamental base to work with i mean very very poignant words to live by and, you know, we've been talking now for about 50 minutes. I, I think uh, I really want to encourage people that, you know, I get the question frequently, if I want to get in the Canada space, where do I start? Um, most people are going to start a brand or they're going to start a service. My suggestion would be to do your homework, reach out to Dino, take a look at his website, take a look at three or four other ones and really start to understand 
how to properly look, don't build the walls on the roof of your house before you pour the foundation, I guess is, is my advice to people. And I think that's the advice that Dino has been giving for the last hour now, which is be smart about it. Understand where you want to go. Don't just get caught up in the hype of like, I've got a business. I'm going to go big. I'm going to sell to everybody. I'm going to win. Maybe luck will be on your side, but I think Dino and I can both tell you that more often than not, those same people are, are disappointing investors going out of business and, becoming very depressed because they didn't take the right steps to get there. So Dino, do me a favor. Um, first of all, thank you very much for your wisdom and your time today. I uh, also thank want you, so. you to kind of shout out where people can find you um, and uh, be it on social media, be it the website, be it your phone number. And then I, as when we launch this podcast, I'll, I'll make sure I include all that in there for people to, uh, to get a hold of you. Sure. Yeah. So first really thanks. And uh, it was really a great discussion and a talk and people can find me on the website at dbranding.la www.dbranding.la or Dino H. Carter on Instagram or on LinkedIn. And of course, on the website, you can uh, either subscribe to the newsletter, which has tons of info, uh, my YouTube channel, uh, people really like the videos there because um, they just have tons of, of tips and stuff. So just, you know, email me, find me wherever, Google Dino H. Carter branding <laughs> and contact me. And if you have any any questions or needs, really just say hi. Man, awesome offer to people. I hope, you know, people get that, understand it and uh Thanks again, man. Really appreciate you, and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cannabis Karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, CannabisKaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the Book Your Interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke. Grab the mic and tell your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.